really need to to move a little bit to continue to so we should go through the go through the countries instead of uh, all my editorial comments. So but that that's how we have to learn something. Uh, but I make, nevertheless, nevertheless, it's important to cover ground because I really do want to finish the countries. I think it's so important, and he he makes very important points. Since the tzaddik who the tzaddik who taught this was saying it in front of an island, was speaking to people. And as you can see, the Ica here are in Yoni Chizik. Chizik. So sometimes he'll repeat for the purpose of making the point, as when a person speaks to an Olam, as opposed to when you're writing something for the sake of writing, being repetitious is often, can, can, be, very, can be very frustrating. But when speaking to an Olam, especially Deve Chizik, then sometimes in order that the word should penetrate, it's important to repeat. So there are some paragraphs here that are, that, that are a bit repetitious. So if you could turn to page Ches, page Ches, he was explaining, we were learning last week, why is it that Chinuch Davke is called Meleches Hashem, Hashem's work. Chazal called it that based upon a Pasuk in Navi. It's called Meleches Hashem. And we were talking last week by Riches at great length about how Although it's true, all the mitzvahs are Melechus Hashem, Shabbos, Davening, Film, everything's Melechus Hashem. Everything's Hashem's work. But particularly when it comes to Chinuch, there is a Netiyas Hanefesh, there is a subtle and sometimes not so subtle inclination of the soul to cause the person to forget why is it that I, why is it that this child was given to me? either my biological child or a student? Why was this individual brought into my world? And we were talking that sometimes this goes as far as principles of yeshivas are concerned, rebellion, teachers, and parents. But sometimes there's an external thought such as how can I make my and my institution be successful? So therefore... We understand that to take children who are unsuccessful in their previous academic histories, that could, although it might benefit the Jewish people to educate such children, and although they might be able to be integrated into your yeshiva or into your Beis Yaakov, to your school, but sometimes when, the, when that Meleches Hashem is forgotten, when a Jew it could, be, it could be an illustrious administrator or principal, if he forgets or if she forgets that the purpose is to educate the Rebbein Shalom's children and that all of us are partners in this project to take all of Hashem's children, whoever, whoever is seeking a Jewish education and to bring them closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and instead that educator, that, that administrator begins to, begins to focus on the success of his own institution and his own professional success, so then the child becomes lost. And there are many children who are lost. Meleches Hashem is that reminder that A, as we learned the previous week, two weeks, that you're a shliach. We're going to talk about that a lot, a lot more. You're Hashem shliach. Hashem is sending you to do something. It's Meleches Hashem. When you're putting on tefillin, you're keeping Shabbos, it's obvious that you're doing that for the, for the Baruch Shalom's sake. When it comes to children, very often there are ulterior motives. Especially now, there are ulterior motives by many people. And we were talking a little bit that last week that one might have the ulterior motive, you know, that the, everybody should think that I'm a wonderful parent. I'm the best parent in the world. My children are so put together. They're so bright. They're so, they're so firm. They're so put together and so on. This is something that is an ulterior motive that can cause a, a parent to often forget the tachlis. And if you forget that there's a melechus Hashem and you begin to think that this is something for my own personal benefit or gain in the eyes of the world or for the purpose of a shidduch, whatever it might be, then one can forget what this individual child needs to become an Evan Hashem. And that's very dangerous, and, and this is also very common. So let's just continue on, on, the, on page Ches. Let's continue from the paragraph Ukimo. Right on top of page Ches, the first paragraph there on page Ches, on the right-hand side. Right. Everybody have it? Naturally, if we want to know who's a good Rebbe, the role model for the greatest Rebbe who ever lived is Moshe Rabbeinu. That's why he's called Moshe Rabbeinu. He's our Rebbe, and, <clears throat> and he is the greatest role model of a Rebbe. 
Moshe Rabbeinu is referred to is called in the Zayra Kaddish Raya Mehemna, the faithful shepherd, Ro'en Ne'eman. So we see, he was the first Rebbe of the Jewish people as a people. He was the first Rebbe. When we, when we became Jews, he was our Rebbe, Moshe Rabbeinu. And it's interesting, how was Moshe Rabbeinu, how was Moshe Rabbeinu tested? What did Chazal say? When did the Baruch decide that he was going to be our Rebbe? You remember? When he went back for the lost animal, that, for, for, the, for the sheep that was lost, then the Baruch said, if he is such a person that he goes after that, that lost sheep, that sheep might not have been accepted into one of the finest yeshivas, right? And he goes after that, after that sheep, then I want this person to be the shepherd of my people. And that's the beginning of the chinuch of Klai Yisrael. The choice of Moshe Rabbeinu was a Rebbe, who had compassion on the one who didn't fit in, right? Who had compassion on the one who was wandering a little bit away from the flock. So he was the first mashpia. So heid alav, heid alav, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ba'atzma. The Baruch Shalom bears testimony. We could trust Hashem. Bechol beisi nemanhu. In all of my house he is trusted. What does that mean? This is the first qualification for, for any Jew, a parent or a teacher or a rabbi, who was given the achrayas to, to be mashpia, to influence, to inspire these neshamas, Jews. What? The Chol Beisi Neman. Could you imagine what a, what a beautiful what a beautiful title that the Baruch Shalom gave to Moshe Rabbeinu? The Chol Beisi Neman. Neamonis. What does it mean, Neamonis? It doesn't mean that he's not a liar. The Chol Beisi Neman. It doesn't mean he's trusted. Mean that he's not going to steal something. So what is the Chol Beisi? What's the meaning of Neamonis? Neamonis means absolutely single-mindedly devoted to something. Neman means he is completely loyal. He's loyal to his job. Umesirus. Getraisha after Hashem is baruch. Kamaisha kosov al Moshe Rabbeinu shlohaya poinila asakov. Chazal tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu would not become involved in his own asakim. Now, what did what do you think was Moshe Rabbeinu's personal asakim? What what did he want to be Isaac in? Could be, kind of call his own his own family. I don't know if that's the pshat, although we do see, we do see, and that's interesting, and if we'd have more time, we'd talk about that, that the, in Moshe Ben's own family, it wasn't so pashat. In his own family, it, there, were, there were difficulties. But when Chazal said that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to be painel asakov, maybe it didn't mean that. But the simple pshat in Chazal is that Moshe Rabbeinu was on a madrega to, to go and to meditate and to contemplate the deepest mysteries of creation. And he, when, when he had the opportunity to do that, Moshe Rabbeinu was, Moshe Rabbeinu had, every single second in his life was precious because every single second was a means of discovering the secrets of, of, of the universe, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Chazal tell us that when he was needed by the Jewish people, even though he was driven himself to seek a closer relationship to Hashem, he was prepared to sacrifice that, his own greatness, his own, his own closeness, <clears throat> for the sake of the Jewish people, because he was their Rebbe. Rachman ha'har el ha'am. He descended from the mountain. The mountain here figuratively means what? His great, his great involvement in the study of Torah, that's called the mountain. Moshe Rabbeinu would descend from the mountain of his own understanding. He would descend from his exalted level, El Ha'am, and he would descend and go to the people. Everything that Moshe Rabbeinu said and everything that he did was for the sake of the people, for the sake of his students. But and that is the meaning that in my house, he is trusted. He is trusted to carry out what I've told him to carry out. Okay. 
And in accordance to how a person is to live with this holy work. But in other words, in Meleches Hashem, in, in the, this area of Chinuch with one's own children or other children, in a way that's Neman, meaning it's that you are trusted by Hashem to be focused on your job, on your task. You will be saved. You will save yourself from all areas of what? Of distortion, of laziness, of neglect. Because if your whole involvement in chinuch, meaning teaching your children, raising your children, or your students, is only that what? That you should be mitzachin in other people's eyes. That you should be somebody who's appealing to other people. Or if it's just because I'm obligated to, so therefore, let me just do it because I'm chayv. What am I going to do? I have to do it. I want to be potter. I want to exempt myself. I'm obligated. I don't feel, I'd rather not do this, but I have to do it. That people should know that he's fulfilled his obligation. You know, very often when learning with a child, so if a person's, if a person, and I know how much I felt this, that if you really don't have a cheshik to do it, it's so interesting. You know, when you're learning with your own child and there's nobody to impress, there's nobody to impress, and you don't think that I have to be makarav, some, some non-religious person to Hashem. So one often feels that this is just a pain in the neck. It's just a chayva. I already know Aleph Beis. I already know the Kometz Aleph Ah. I already know this parsha. How many times can you read Lech Lechan You know, you could lose your mind, right? You already know this. And there's just a chayva. But could you imagine if somebody would be, from the outside, would come to talk to you? Especially if it was somebody that wasn't religious, right? And say, could you tell me about Avram Avinu? Could you tell me about Parshish Lech Lecha? Wouldn't you be thrilled? You'd be excited. You'd sit down. And, I mean, you'd probably be afraid because you think, how do you say, I don't know, I don't know. But whatever you know, whatever you would know, wouldn't you share with great excitement? You would. Even if you're tired. You wouldn't feel that it's a chayv. You'd feel how exciting. The Baruch has brought me one of his lost sheep. And I have this opportunity to tell him about Avram Avinu. This is great. I mean, I'm not saying that would be great if it happened every day. And not, you know, at certain times. But if something like that comes around, it's, it's wonderful. It's, not, it's a wonderful schus. Nevertheless, when it's not a matter of impressing. Or it's not the, with the excitement of, you know, uh, this, is, this is some stranger or somebody outside of my immediate circle who I'm bringing closer to Hashem. It's your own kid. Right? It's your own. So one very often feels that there's nothing here except an obligation. And the, net, the natural tendency of a person is to resent any, anything that's an obligation. To resent an obligation. Anything, one thing, the second the Baruch Shalom says you have to do something, you don't feel like doing it, right? If it's optional, maybe. But if you have to do it, the natural thing within a person, there's something that rises up within the person to say, I don't want to do it. Who are you telling me what to do? So therefore, you know that with your own children, this is a chiv. You're obligated. And there's something sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle, that resents that. And therefore, you, you, you feel that all it is is a chayv and you don't want to do it. Or you do it, but just to carry out the chayv. So he says, Something that is a chayv, something that you have to do, it has a boundary, it has an end, it has a limit. When you have to do something, you know, if, you have, if it doesn't have a boundary then you wouldn't be able to begin. So every obligation in life has a gvul. If somebody were to give you, uh, if somebody were to give you a map and say, clean the world, you wouldn't start. But you, as long as you know that you have this particular area that you have an achrayis for, so then you're able to undertake the job. Now, that's nice. However, when it comes to Torah and mitzvahs, if your entire, if your entire frame of mind, if your state of mind, with a child is, this is only a chayva, an obligation. It means by admitting that, or by saying that, you have created a boundary, a gvul, and you want to get it over with. You feel that no, there's a shear. And you're looking at your watch, and, and when is it done? When is the end of this man? When does it finish? Now, if, you are, if your motivation is that you want others to, to be impressed, then once you feel that your kids are, imp are impressive, if you feel that they are enough, that they're, let's say, better than your next-door neighbors, or better than your sister-in-law, or better than your sister or something, and you feel that your kids are doing all right, they're up there, so then you're ready 
you've reached, in your mind, you've already reached a certain gvul. The gvul is, I want it to be respected by other people that, they, that I have from children, that I have nice children. And there they are. They look like they're from, they look that they're nice. So everything's okay. I'm done. So I, I lose my cheshik. I lose my cheshik to, to, to really give over more and more. But if you have one tachlis with your children, with your students, if you have one tachlis, that's the, without a gvul. Now here the difference is, it's without a gvul, but, you don't, but normally when it comes to a physical job that's without a gvul, you, have, you, you can't even begin, because you're overwhelmed. But what we've been learning until now is that in meleches Hashem, every single word, every single second that you spend, it's not the point of finishing the job. It's the excitement that every single second I'm involved in Malachas Hashem. I'm giving Nachas Ruch to the Baruch Shalom. You don't feel that certainly when it comes to cleaning the house. So then the whole, your whole Malach is only oriented to completing that, completing that, right? You just want to finish it. I, I mean, uh, may, maybe there is such a person that sings while, while sweeping or mopping. I don't know, and he gets really, you know, thrilled by doing that. Generally, I, I would assume that most of us, when we have to do menial jobs in this world, from the moment that we begin the job, all we're, trying, all we're thinking about is pottering ourselves up, that we should be exempt from the job that has a gvul. And a person whose teaching of Torah to their children, to their students, is taken in such a way as one would do a menial task, just because it's an obligation to, to reach a certain uh, boundary, a goal, so then it also becomes a tircha, becomes a pain in the neck, and you just want to be finished. But when it comes to teaching, if one remembers the Tachlis is Meleches Hashem, that means that every single second, this is Meleches Hashem. You know, there was a, I, I just remember this when I was talking, I don't know, the, when I was talking about sweeping. Did any of you ever hear of the Rebbe from Sadagera? The Sadagera was the, the descendants of the Rizhna, the Tzadikim from Rizhna. So there was a big Tzadik, the Sadagera that survived the war, World War II, and he came first to Tel Aviv. And after Tel Aviv, I think maybe he went to Bnei Brak, and maybe he already thought he was still in Tel Aviv. I think he was in Tel Aviv. Oh, uh, big tzaddik. He went through terrible yisurim during the war, terrible suffering. So, I, I read in the say for the one time, the Rebbe from Sadegera, uh, it, was, it was in Tel Aviv, very, very early, like the crack of dawn, and there was somebody who happened to be, who happened to be on the street in Tel Aviv, and he saw an old man sweeping the street. And then he wanted to see, what is this? At like 4.30 in the morning, who's sweeping the street? And he, got, he went close, and, he, and this man saw, who is it? It's the tzaddik, the rabbi from Sadegeir. So right away, he starts to pull the broom, and, he, he, and the rabbi doesn't let go. And, and then the man says, Rebbe, what, what, if you don't mind me asking, why are you cleaning the street? Why are you cleaning the street at 4.30 in the morning? So the tzaddikir said, look, I'll tell you. During the war, when the Germans in Shamam, when they came to Vienna, you know, many tzaddik were in Vienna between World War I and World War II. They ran from Galicia, from Poland. So the Germans, when they came to Vienna, they gathered together the tzaddikim who were there. There was the Kapishnitz who was there, and the Sadegir and a few others. They gathered them together, and they brought all the Jews to watch, to humiliate the tzaddikim and to dehumanize the Jews, because when they would see the tzaddikim being humiliated, they would be, they would be dehumanized. And they, 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 gave, they gave each of them a toothbrush, and they started kicking them on the floor, that they should start cleaning the street. They should start cleaning the street with a toothbrush. So the Sadagir Rebbe said to this Jew that morning, 4.30 in the morning, whatever it was, he said, you know, when I was on the floor with that toothbrush, and there were thousands of Jews standing there crying when they saw this. When I was doing that, so I was thinking, how could it be that a descendant of the Tzadik from Rizhin, who is a descendant from David HaMelech, how could it be that, that I should be brought to such a thing, to, to, that a Jew should be kicked by, by a German, and that I'm, that I'm doing this on, on a, a street in Vienna. And he said, at that moment, I was going to stop, and if, you, if I would stop, they would shoot me. And I, I, had no, I had no desire to live. And then I began to think. He said, I had this machshava, and the machshava was that this street in Vienna it doesn't belong to the Germans. This is one of the streets of the Rebbein Shalom also. It's in his world, right? It's, it's a piece of his world. So what's so bad if the Rebbe from South Algeria, if David Amalek's descendant, is cleaning one of the Rebbein Shalom's streets? He started, and he said, I started to think about this, and I was misboining, you know, like the way a tzaddik could do. I got fixated on this, 
to the point that I started to sing a nigan. And I never had such, I never had such, his realm was such an awakening. And it saved my life. That, that, that pulled me out. For the rest of the war, I was able to get through that machshava. So he said, I was macabre upon myself that if I survived the war, as a sign of gratitude, every single morning, with the exception of Shabbos and Yantiv, whatever street in the world I would end up in, I would go out a little bit and clean for two or three minutes the street. You hear this? A mice from Sadiq Because the Tzaddik lives in that way where he's able to take every single thing in his life and take away the external peels and say, this is awesome, Allah HaSashem. For us, it's very, very hard. It's very hard. But if Chazal told us that teaching and raising children is called Malachas Hashem Mamish, it means you don't have to pull away the peels. It's Mamish Malachas Hashem every single second. Then you realize that it's a Shia Nifla, that it's an unbelievable schus every single second with all the difficulties. That doesn't mean you can't admit that it's hard. Certainly, cleaning the street in Vienna with a toothbrush wasn't easy. But it's Malachas Hashem. And Melechus Hashem means reminding myself, if it's necessary, a hundred times a day, that the tachlis of talking to my child, not just, not just reviewing the homework, the chumish, rashi, but every single thing that I, every single moment of interaction, interaction with my child, the tachlis is that I will be able to bring more nachas to the Rabban Shalom from this precious neshama, from this neshama kedusha, as I call hagishava his askus nasus ba'ifanalim raimer biyaser, your entire attitude becomes uplifted. Your attitude changes. Now he goes weiter. Next column. Ha'inyan hasheni. This is the first explanation of why is chinuch called meleches Hashem, Hashem's work. Ha'inyan hasheni shenichlal b'meleches Hashem. Another inyan, another thing that we can think about for chizik. Again, the purpose here is completely just for chizik. Another thing that we can think about to mechazik ourselves that's included in this title that's called Meleches Hashem, who? Sheratzayin avinu shebeshemayim, that is the rots and the will, the desire of Hashem. Shekol mi sheyesh l'shayiches l'neshamas ha-kedoshim ha-elu, yeida v'yizka heitev shakol nishlach v'nivcha ba'ifin prati u'miyuchad min ha-shemayim. That you should know this is what he spoke about at the beginning, but here he explains it in much greater detail, that you should know that you were specifically chosen for this assignment. Not just that you're a shliach of Hashem, that when you're doing this mitzvah, you're Hashem's messenger, but a shidduch was made. In other words, the Baruch Shalom went through all the neshamas. And the Baruch Shalom said, this neshama goes down to that parent. Sometimes it's hard to believe that, No. That this neshama goes to that to that parent, to that rebbe, to that mora. Kol of, he says, every father. Kol aim, every mother. Kol malamed, every rebbe. I feel this bechitzonius near lefamim shesiba ploinus v'sheheshtadlus agashmus or protectia v'chadaima. He has siba shehivi also sheyeloi shaychis l'neshamas gedoshes. Sometimes you might think there's a, there's some silly reason that this kid ended up in my class. What could be the silly reason? You know, his father happens to be uh, Gvir, right? In other words, I teach the Chosh of a Shia. I give a, very, uh, I give a high-level Shia. This kid really doesn't belong here. Why did he end up in the Shia? Because his father, his father's a wealthy guy. So he has some protection. Or father's a Shashiva. Whatever it is, the family's Chosh but he ended up in my class. So what, how would you tend to look at that kid? The way that the teacher would tend, there's a possibility that the way that the teacher would look at that kid would be with external eyes. Eyes that say, as a tzigah kevinah. He doesn't belong here. He doesn't belong here. So, if he doesn't really belong with me, so how much of myself must I give? It's so hard for a teacher not to feel that. But even a parent can feel that. As crazy as it sounds. But if you think, he says here, sometimes it seems to you that there's some other reason that brought that child to you. There's another reason. Some siba chitzainis. It's a chitzainis de gazach. Not that you should be the one that's going to bring him closer to Hashem. There's another reason why. So you think he has siba. It could be even a, a very, very noble reason. 
It could be that the Baruch Shalom had Rachmanus in me. I cried so hard to have a child. I cried so hard I want to have a child. So he gave me a child. But now that he gave me a child, I don't know what to do with him. Right? I don't know what to do. I'm not sure how to handle this. So you're thinking, there's really a, a, the, the main reason that I have this child is because the Baruch Shalom couldn't listen to me scream anymore and cry. He couldn't take it anymore. So he said, all right, take it here. That's also, it's, it's much, that's a very harsh of a thing, but it's also external to the real Tachlis. The real Tachlis is, Yes, you had to break through, whatever that was, but the davening is gewaldi. But the point is that when the Baruch Shalom said you're going to get a child, he didn't, just, he didn't just pick the next one in line. He didn't just send the next one in line. He Sometimes you're teaching. Yes, I thought Mamish was talking to me because I was teaching already 20 years. Zegar, maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm already teaching for 20 years. Zegar, you know, listen. I'm teaching 20 years, so I'll, eventually, there's, you know, this kid rolled into my class. Now, there's a chance after 20 years that I'm going to get this kind of kid, that kind of kid. You know, it happens. So, in Chitzonius, if you look at things in a shallow way, the Yetzirah will come and say, will come and give you the impression, Happens, in other words, every year I have a new bunch of kids. Listen, every year you get new kids. As a teacher, you get new students. So a couple slip through the cracks. In other words, it doesn't mean that every single kid is a zivig. Every single kid is a shidduch with me. I'm teaching you for 20 years, and they send over kids, and I get, I got this kid. That's the, that's the dev, that's the teva, uh, uh, the, that's the natural order of things. Now, he says, And it can be with parents the same thing. Sometimes, in in, in that simplistic, shallow way of looking at things, you might think, that my connection to this child right now, in other words, he says, there's a certain, there's a certain curriculum. There's a certain seder. So, children are supposed to do certain things when they're one, then two, three, four, five. And now, he says, this child has reached the fifth year. He's five years old. So now I'm in the five-year-old mode. And now I have to deal with the five-year-old. And I dealt with another five-year-old. And now I'm dealing with this five-year-old. And the only reason that he's coming, let's say, let's say this five-year-old child happens not to feel well today, Khalila, and he's staying home from school. Or even if he feels fine, but he felt that he needed a day off. It happens sometimes, right? So this five-year-old is home. So you're, the natural, the most natural thing to think is, oh, this is a five-year-old that's staying home, and this has happened to me with other five-year-olds. Either my, either my own five-year-old, or maybe my niece, my, niece, my nephew, or friends. But this is, a, this is a, a natural thing. Therefore, that day that's spent with that five-year-old doesn't have to be particularly significant. It doesn't have to be particularly, it doesn't be anything different than any time of the life of another five-year-old that you've had in your little world at some earlier time. So you might think that this is just, this is a certain seder. He says, In other words, I had a shaykhist when he was four years old, I have a shaykhist when he's five years old. There's certain things that we have to do when they're five years old, and I'll do it. Because the child needs me right now. The child needs me for this and this. So that sounds perfectly nice. Doesn't that sound normal? The truth is, it's not even the beginning of that which is right. He says, it's altogether. that whole attitude is wrong. Now he's saying something here, it sounds very simple, but really it's very profound. And it's touching upon a very big subject in Machshava, the whole nature of what Hashgacha Pratis means, of what specific divine providence means. So he explains. Shaharei kol hasibois hemrak levush ba'alma. Really are only a levush ba'alma, a garment, just a garment. Shal Yodem, that through these Sibas, through these causes, or through, through these events, that what can happen? The Rotson of Hashem, which is specifically and uniquely to be revealed for this moment with this specific child. 
that revelation needs to take place. But let me explain just very simply without going to, into this barichas, because this is a subject that I'm assuming that, that, that many of you are, are, are familiar with, it. not all of you are familiar with, but maybe just some, a little bit, just to, uh, a little bit to explain. Huttner once said that the difference between between non-Jewish or secular philosophers, even those who were who were thinking about God, and and our philosophers, our tzaddikim, who are thinking about Hashem, the difference is as follows. He said that in the secular world, there's a world. The philosophers see that there is a world, there's existence, and the question is, how does God fit into existence? Rav Hutner said, but by our tzaddik and by our philosophers, the Rambam, Rav Yudhalevi, and so on, there's a Rabbani Shalaylam, yeah? there's a God, and the question is, how does existence fit into the Rabbani Shalaylam? That sounded silly? It's everything in life. It's it's the sum. It's the sum total of all that our life is about. In that sentence, it's not. There are things that happen to me in life, and the question is now: How do I? How do I? How do I work it out to get Hashem into this? How do I fit Hashem into my schedule? No. It's there is Hashem, and how do I fit my life and understand my life through the perspective of Hashem's eyes in in Hashem's in Hashem's world. And the difference is, Chazal tell us, That means that Hashem gazed into the Torah and He created the world. He looked into the Torah and He created the world. And you've all heard that. And they usually, they usually in the English books, they usually like to say that the Torah is a blueprint of creation, right? And that, that's the usual lotion that's used in the English books. It's true. Hashem looked into the Torah and He created the world. Do you ever stop and think, what does that mean? It's not just a medrash. What does it mean Hashem looked into the Torah and created the world? It means that the underlying point is the Torah. The world is the world and all that happens in the world and all that's ever happened since creation, all of those causes and effects that are called sibis, sibot, are only what? That the Rebbein Shalom's will should be revealed. For instance, Rabbi Yeruchim from Mir, a big Balmusa, Rabbi Yeruchim, he brought from Rishonim. And he explained in a very, very clear way. If you have, or if you, you're, if there's someone at home that could bring the sefer from Rabbi Yeruchim on Shmois in Pashas B'Shalach, there Rabbi Yeruchim explains that we tend to think that the Baruch Shalom gave us parents. We have parents, <clears throat> and now I have to. Fulfill the mitzvah of kibud of the aim. Now I have to honor them and revere them. Right? That's the way we've been taught. Hashem gave me parents and I have to revere, I have to take care of them. I have to honor them and have to revere them. Rabbi Yucham says, Nein, that's not it. Who could tell me what could, the po- what could possibly be if not that? What would the, what would the, what would, the way of seeing this in terms of that Hashem gazed into the Torah and He created the world. How would how would Rav Hutner have explained this in terms of that sentence that we learned before? Yeah. Well, that's it. The Baruch Shalom wanted to reveal this mitzvah of kibbutz of Aim. Therefore, He created us in such a way that we would have parents. <laughs> Now, now, some of you, I, I bet, are thinking, oh, that seems to min- that's minimizing the honor, honor of my parents. Just the opposite. It's not true. <clears throat> the the metzias of everything in this world is only a siba, a cause, to the ultimate effect, the one effect, which is Hashem. It's not that, oh, you know what? Hashem made a world, and in the world he wanted us, you know, in the world, so what's he going to do? You have to, you know, so he, Hashem made the world in a natural way, so they're just like every animal in the world has kids, and that's, and there's reproduction, so Hashem made parents, and parents have kids. But the difference is that Hashem says that, but you know, it's nice to honor them, you should honor them. It's not, they took care of you, take care of them, right? That's, that's, that's a swara that you would say, 
Alpipashtus in a simple way, that's the svar, and that would be exactly what the secular religious philosophers were talking about. That there's, that there's a world, and we have to find God in this world, and make God fit into this world. What Rabbi Yerucham is teaching is, no, that's not how we should look at things. The way to look at things is that the Rabbi Shalom, the Rabbi Shalom, the Tachlis is to reveal Kavit Shemayim and, and, and for us to be attached to the Master of the Universe and our children and grandchildren, and so on. And the Rebbein Shalom created the world in such a way where we will have parents so that this remarkable mitzvah that, that engenders Hakar Zatov in the strongest way, that brings out from us the deepest midas of Hakar Zatov, should take place through this vehicle of Kibbut Ava'ein. Rebbein brings a number of other proofs to this concept, and we have to understand it. Because this is exactly what he's talking about. That it's not stam that there are certain things that happen to me in life, and under these circumstances, I have this kid, let me try to make the best on this situation. The whole reason that you were brought into that situation with that kid is because of Malachas Hashem. In other words, there's no Bidei Evid here. You know what it means, Bidei Evid. It's not just, oh well, this is just the way it is, and I'm going to have to make the best. No. You are the parent, that is the kid, and this is the moment. And the tachlis of that kid, that parent, and this moment is Kavit Shemayim. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's something we might not be used to. It's hard to think. You have to get used to it. So Yerucham explains, I'll just say this very much, B'Kitzer. You know, the Chazal tell us that when the Jewish people came to Yamsuf, it wasn't good. You know, we, had, we had problems by Yamsuf. We came to the water... And the Egyptians were chasing us, and, the, and there were animals over here, and the, there was no place to go. The ocean was in front of us, there was no place to go. So it says that we, we start to scream, we start to call out to Hashem. So, they began to scream, they began to call out. <clears throat> and then when they began to call, and then the Bershom says, Okay, good, tell them to go. So, Chazal tell us, Chazal tell us, that a marshal, that I'm sure some of you have heard, to what can this be compared? I'm just going to say just uh, just the skeleton of the marshal, because I don't want to take so much time with it. To what can this be compared? So Chazal say, to a, there, there was a, a, a certain uh, young woman that had fallen into a, into a that, that was uh, surrounded by listim, by robbers, and her life was in danger, and she was screaming, and the and the prince came along, the king came along, and and, and rescued her from the from the uh, these these uh, criminals. And it's beautiful. They fell in love, and they were making plans to get married. The Medrash tells over this mice from Eshlagus says it, and they're making plans to get married. Now, in the course of the engagement, the king, the prince began to realize that his wonderful princess was getting very, very lost in her plans for the wedding. Well, tablecloths and florists and the whole business. And the gown. And she was no longer relating to him in that intense and romantic way. As when she first called out to him. And she first needed him. So, so what did the king do? It sounds terrible. The king went over to that chevra of Listim. He, he knew these criminals. He went over to these list of them and he said, I'll tell you what, fellas. I'll pay you such and such amount of money. Tomorrow, usually around three o'clock, my fiance, that my Kala, the princess, she's walking through the garden. Scare her. I mean So this was done. And and they came there and she started to scream out, you know, Adoni Hamalach, my beloved, the prince, and she started to cry. And then he comes and he rescues her. So and, and then on this, on this chazal, which sounds so simple, right? It sounds almost silly. Chas v'shalom. Chazal say the posik. Hashmini es koylech. Harini es marech. Es koylech sheshamati b'mitzrayim. You hear this? What did chazal say? That the Baruch Shalom said, I miss the way you used to call out. You know when you were in the slave pits of Mitzrayim? You remember the good old days when life was miserable? And you would say, Baruch Shalom, Rabbi Shalom, please have Rachmanis. Rabbi Shalom, I need you. I can't live without you. Right? You remember those? Well, since we got engaged, I haven't heard you talk that way anymore. You've taken me for granted, and you've stopped 
feeling that need. And therefore, I had, I'm, I apologize, I love you, but I had to bring something about in order that I should hear that tefillah from you again. So Biyucham said, could you imagine, we tend to think, we tend to think that we, we got to, we get into a mess, we're in a difficult situation, uh-oh, what am I going to do? There's nobody here to help me. So then what? I can't, the, the doctor can't help, and the, my boss can't help, and there's no one else here. So then what do you start, then you start asking, help me, Rebbein so the way we look at it is, is that there's a world, right? There's a world. And things got a little bit sticky in God's world. So I was in the gym. So now I said, Rabbi Shalom, help me, right? Get me out of the gym. So Yuchim says, and that's not how it works. Is that the, a person, all the, the things that a person goes through in life is because the Rabbi Shalom is chalishing to hear from a Jew. Something that's sincere and something that's real. Don't take the marshal too far, you know, the Rabbi Shalom is, you know. I don't want anybody to have nightmares. But... The Akash Baruch Rabbi Yuchim explains that the whole tachlis is what? That a Jew should be able to say, HaMelech, HaMelech, the king. Avinu Malkeinu, my father. So sometimes when you stop talking to the Baruch Shalom in a real way, so the Baruch Shalom sometimes brings you to the shore of Yamsuf, and there are Egyptians that are chasing behind you, and there are, the, the ocean in front of you is closed, and there's no one to help except the master of the universe. And then you begin to daven, but now you really daven. Not the way you davened yesterday. Now you really daven. The Rebbein Shalom's eye, Hashemini es koylech, es koylech sheshamati b'mitzrayim. Because the whole reason that you went through that thing was only that you should talk to the Rebbein Shalom in a real way. That you should turn once again your heart to him. The difference is that tzaddikim, big tzaddikim, that's how they daven on a regular day. They don't have to be brought to Yamsuf. They don't have to be brought to some crisis they don't have to go through some cataclysmic, horrifying event to talk to the Ben Shalom. Because they see every step in life as being, as being in Hash, I'm in Hashem's hands. So what he's explaining here, let's get back to the text. What he's explaining here is that you shouldn't think that I, that I have this kid. This is my five-year-old. This is my 18-year-old. No. So I had this before. I've been here before. Or I've heard that this is the way to be metapple with the 18-year-old. You have to know that the, that the reason that you have this 18-year-old and the reason that he's here this moment of your life is that you should think to the best of my kaychus, how can I make myself a true Ever Hashem and do what needs to be done, what this child needs for this time in his life. Not because this is what 18-year-olds need. Not because I've been down this road or this is just a way to kill time. But there's a reason Everything is being brought to the tachlis of this moment. So he explains, Hashem is baruch nosin b'sochenu as kol hakoyches v'hashpos and itzrochos avur kol haterashel neshamazu. And Hashem has given us exactly what we need. All of our koyches that we need to take care of what the child needs that moment. And if what the child needs that moment is a band-aid and a kiss and a little story or a song, then you do what you can, and you do it in a heartsick way. But Hashem has given us the koiches that we need for that moment. For that child's greatness. That the child should have had a daven. And, and we have also, and, and for the midas toivis, Hashem has given us also all that we need. All that we need and all that we have to go through, we are equipped with that by Hashem in Melechus Hashem, as we learned that Hashem, if He told us to do this Melechus, it means that we are armed and we're equipped to do it. Next page. As uh, test. All of these amazing koiches. Of what? To have enough amunah, to have enough bitochen, to have enough simcha, to have enough intelligence. Hashem is given, giving us for that moment. Every parent and every mashpi, every rabbi, every teacher. Even though this is Clear. The wants us to daven for this. He wants us to. He wants us to turn to him and speak to him about this Indian. 
that we should have the schus to live with this, to remember this. And we won't get overwhelmed. And we won't get sidetracked. We won't think that it's a nuisance, it's an annoyance. We'll understand that if this is happening, it's because, because something of tachlis can be brought out of this moment of my life, in my relationship with this person. That the tzaddik lives by his faith. And we have to dive into the Baruch Hu to help us, that we should have this emunah. You shouldn't think that something's going to happen automatically. You were meant to work that moment to do something. It's just something because it happened before. The kid was born, so of course he's five years old. But he, after, after four years, you become five years old. We have to review this, he says all the time. That before this neshama came, before this neshama was sent, before Hashem took it out from under the throne of His glory. Hashem checked every single Jew that's in the world. Before He sent that neshama down. Hashem checked every Jew in the world. The and he checked into that Jew's past. He checked into all of his midas. He checked into his family. Hashem ran a full, complete checkup on that Jew. The chishev heitev mi roy And the Ben Shlom made a cheshman. That's from the entire world. You're elected. You. Sheyizkish ilah shaychiz in the shamazu. That this neshama should come to you. That means all of the details that are necessary, that are needed for the chinuch of this particular neshama. You, kafiyah nitzruch v'haroyla, will be given to you, will be taken care of. Whichever father, or whichever mother, it was decided will get that neshama, the Bershom sends that person, that parent, that rabbi, that teacher, all that he or she needs. Emotional strength, physical strength, spiritual strength. To give to the child what he or she needs to become, what he or she can become. Hashem chose that house. That city, it's that land, that country. You know how many people I know, they always, I, there are people, I mean, for many years I used to think this myself, and I finally, Hashem, I purged this thought out of myself. But there are many, many people that, that, that for years have been telling me that they plan on moving to Israel. So we're all, I hope we're all plan on moving some more serious than those, but they plan to move. And, and then I will be, a, then I'll be in Eved Hashem. You know, when I get that apartment in the old city, then I'll be a good Jew. When I, there's a certain teacher, there's a certain Rebbe, there's a certain Rav, there's a certain great person in Yerushalayim. If I would be there, then I would be in Eved Hashem. One of the great, one of the great uh, Bali Musa, I think it was Rabbi Naftali Amsterdam, that he came to his illustrious Rebbe, who you all heard of, Rabbi Sal Salante. And he went to Rabbi Sal Salante, and I think that he said something along these lines. He said, he was crying to, the, to Rabbi Sal. You know, Rabbi Sal Salante was a, a doctor, a doctor, to, to, take a, a, to take raw material and to perfect a human being. So he said to Rabbi Sal, he says, Rebbe, if I, if, if I would have the mind, the brains... Of, of, of the Vilna Gain. And if I would have the heart, I don't know who he said, uh, you know, Rabbi Levi, whatever he said, different names of Tzaddikim. He says, then, then I would be a big Ever Hashem. And Rabbi Salanta told him, Naftali, with your mind, and with your heart, and with your Nisham, and with your home, and with your wife, and with your children, you could be an Ever Hashem. And you don't realize it's a very subtle thing inside of us that tells us some other way I could be. I could be. I would be. And I should be. But not in, these, not in this situation. <clears throat> we tend to think that way because we think that the results of a situation, how things turn out as if it's up to us. It's not up to us. There's only one thing that's up to us. And that this moment to be an Ever Hashem. That's it. What can I do this moment? How something turns out that's the Baruch Shalom's business. Judaism is process-oriented, not product-oriented. You know, in America, you become very product-oriented. You could put all your character into something, and if, and if the job didn't turn out right, you get fired. Even though you'll say, but I'm so sincere. You know, they'll say, King, are you sincere? We don't need sincere people. We need successful people. Right? You're sincere, that doesn't sell. 
That's not how the Baruch Hashem fears the Welt. The Baruch Hashem fears the Welt process. Your pro- the job of what can you do this moment. You know, there was a great chassid of the tzaddik of Moishele Kabrina. A big chassid of Moishele Kabrina. <clears throat> and this chassid went to see once the Kotzke. And the Kotzke was very interested to hear something about the Rebbe, about his Rebbe, Moishele Kabrina. So he said, he asked the chassid, tell me, what's your Rebbe greatest? What's his greatest, what's his greatest characteristic? What's his greatest milo? What's he great at? You know, there are certain tzaddikim that are famous for tzaddikim, the tzaddik's famous for learning, this one's for davening, and so on. So the Kotzke asked this chassid, what's Rav Moshe Kabrina's greatest inyan? So the chassid was quiet, and he said, my Rebbe's greatness is what he's doing that moment. Whatever he has to do, that moment, that's his greatest thing. That is one of the most important stories you'll ever hear. Not, I could have, I should have, I would have. Not, if I would be in this matzav, that, that, that. The greatness is what I have this moment, this person who is with me. That's all the Baruch Shalom wants of you, to be an Ever Hashem, to serve Him this moment. That's all. And to know that if this has happened to you, there's a reason, there's a reason why it's happened to you. I once got a good patch from a tzaddik in Yushalayim. I don't know if I'll say his name, but a very famous tzaddik. I, I, my wife knows that I'm, I feel constantly besieged by, by different inyanim that don't, allow, that don't give me the time to be able to learn and, and to be Isaac and, 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 and things that I would like to be Isaac in because of the tiredness of uh, students and so on and, and, and the kahila. So some years ago, when I was feeling, I felt that I was just at a point that I, I thought I was losing my mind. So I was in Yushalayim, I, went, I was in Yushalayim, and I went to this tzaddik. He, he doesn't really... He has certain very, very certain specific hours for appointments. You know what I'm talking about? He had, he, had, he had specific hours for an appointment, and I, and I called him up. Now, I was, I was only in Yisrael for three days. I was in Fechasna. It was by Maishas Chasna. I was in Fechasna. And I had, only, I had only three days. And it didn't work out with the, with the Sadiq schedule. And I, I, I had to speak to him. I was, I was losing my mind. So... I called up, and uh, they put him on the phone, and I said, uh, Rebbe, this is my show, so-and-so for me, but I have something very important that's pressing, very, can I, will I be able to talk to the Rebbe? So he said, can you come now? I said, I'm coming. So I went to talk to him, and I began to pour my heart out about this whole Indian. That I, I, I can't, what am I supposed to do? I can't learn, I can't do anything, I don't know what to do. So this is what he said to me. It was such a patch. He said, you know, I thought, he said, I thought that today I was going to be learning straight and there was something that I'm working on. I thought that I was going to be learning from after davening. I had a little piece of cake. I was going to be learning straight through the day without any interruptions because I don't have any hours today to see people. But then there was a Jew who I care for, who I know means well. From New York, he's here only for a few days. So he called me up and he says, Rabbi, there's something that's pressing. Can it wait? No. He's not going to be here. So I said, okay. And, you know, while he's talking, he can't, can you picture how I'm... I'm mamish, like I'm already under the table. I'm, and I, I can't believe it, you know. Here I'm talking, I'm, like, I'm such a, you know, the, the whole ego, like I'm talking about me. And, and, and all I'm doing is taking away his day. And I'm saying how I can't take his people taking away my... And, I, and that's all I'm talking to him about. And, 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 he's, and he's giving me this. But the way he says it, you know, if you are really Yushalmi, and a real tzaddik with such sweetness. And, and, but I, I'm, I'm thinking... And he says, and he finishes, and he went on, he, he dramatized the whole thing. And he's gone on for a while. And then, and then, um, and he said to me, listen, I, I, I'm sorry to say, you know, in the beginning, this, I, I still, I'm still struggling with it, but it, 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 I think about this and it helps me. He said, he said, listen, you want to learn because it's, you, why do you want free time? You want free time because you want to learn, so you want to learn. Learning is, is, is Malachas Hashem, that's serving Hashem. But, so, but if the Baruch Shalom says something, and you should have a Zman. He says, I have a Zman. I have times. There's, there's Zmanim. But sometimes it, you know, things don't work out the way that you want. And you have to stop and say to yourself that Mestamur Baruch Shalom has a Shlichus for me. And my Shlichus right now is not to go through this piece of Gemara. My Shlichus right now is to be metapal with this Yid. Now, how do you know the Shia? So I spoke to him. It doesn't mean, therefore, if we, one, one should never. No. One has to make a kriyas, one has to have zmanam, one has to have seder in life. But 
Sof kol sof. If everything in your life is just to serve Hashem, and that's because you want to serve yourself, maybe it's because, you know, you just like to have a little bit quiet time, you want to have this, you want to have that, but say that's also okay. But you have to remember that you were created to be in Eved Hashem. And in, in that servitude of Avdus Hashem, things don't always go the way that you plan. They don't always go the way that you plan. Sometimes it's different. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way that you expect it. And then you have to stop and say to yourself, <clears throat> for this moment, this is apparently that's what's happening right now. You know how frustrating it is when you made, let's say you had a certain plan to do something, you wanted some quiet, and in the end, like the, 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 the child decided not to allow you that. Your child decided not to allow you that, that quiet or that free time or whatever it was, even if you wanted to use the free time for something very nice. So inside you could become very angry. And you could take it out sometimes on the child because the child upset your whole vision of how the day was going to be. But he's saying here is so important because what this tzaddik is telling us is, what are you, crazy? The Rabbani Shalom who is Masavev Kolasibas, the Rabbani Shalom who runs every single thing, don't you realize that he brought your child back to you now for something? Not to scream and say, you messed up my day. He brought him back for something. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean you can't also have a day. But if if this is happening, then the question that you have to ask yourself is okay. I don't know. What does the Bernishal want me to do right now? What could I do in some way that's good, that's healthy, that's constructive? And perhaps to still be able to have some time, but not to throw away the opportunity. Or not to or not to, to, to hurt that person, that child, because of your disappointment. So that, that, he says, let's just finish this paragraph. That's the shidduch that was made. <clears throat> He's right, he was saying this now as a soul. He said, you know, he says, this neshama could have come to somebody in Chutzlarts. There are a lot of places where Jews live in Chutzlarts. Could have come to Chutzlarts. Anywhere in the world. Could have been by some other Jew that's living in this generation. This father Davke and this mother Davke. In this home. In this place. Because, because this is the place where you have to deal with that neshama. Not to say I, will, I would deal better with this child in a different place. And to delay that. If you think so, then make plans and move to some other place. But what people will do is they'll just, instead of dealing with the child now, they'll just say, uh, they put it on hold, and it will be in some other time, in some other place. No. <clears throat> to fulfill the shlichus to, uh, to the best of your ability now, in this place, at this time. That davka this time in this place, and me as a parent, <clears throat> are most qualified to be able to fulfill Malachas Hashem in the life of this child. And are fit to illuminate, to give life to this Neshama, more than the rest of Klai Yisrael. Can you imagine to have such a Machshava? Even though I know that it's very hard for us to live with this all the time, but if you hear it and you try a little bit to think of this, I have to say something that was very, you know, that, 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 that I was very moved by that happened yesterday. I today is Monday. Yesterday I spoke someplace in a Chesidisha Bangalore colony. I spoke to an island. And I spoke about a certain, a certain Indian. Also having to do with Chinuch. So in the course of that year, I had spoken, I had spoken about the urgency of spending some more time with our children. And the general sad state of the abandonment of our children that's taken place as a result of a, hopefully Bo Hashem Simchas. And uh, I have to tell you that it was uh, that I was so moved because immediately after returning back here, I received a phone call, and this this Chassidish uh, fellow said, "I want you to know that right after the Shia, I was so excited. I ran back to my I ran back to the bungalow and I said to my wife, he says, Mamala." He even said it in such a way. I said, Mamala, from now on, from now on, 
for two hours a night during the time that we eat and some time afterwards the, we're going to take the, the phone off the hook and we're going to try to focus just to be able to, to spend some time with the mishpacha. And to me this was the most the most gratifying I wouldn't say compliment, but I definitely felt felt that the Shia was Kedai and and the simcha that I had knowing that those children were going to benefit in a real way and feel that's and feel special for those nights the way that they the way that every Jewish child deserves to feel to me that was the most gratifying feeling. No, Hakadosh Baruch should help us that our children should see how special they are and they should understand they should understand how much they mean to us and in that schus we'll understand how much we mean to the Rabbi Shalom as his children.